0: Sanctus Church, good morning. I know lots of you are watching me right now online in Site 5, our online site. Some of you are watching me at some of our local locations. Others of you are listening to this as a podcast or on On on-demand a little bit later this week. No matter who you are, where you're from, anywhere in the world, we're so glad that you're joining us. Now, this is a very significant and important Sunday. Today, we wanna talk about Alpha. So you're like, oh, been here before, shutting you off. Please don't, please don't. This is so important that we as a family rally around this. I want to remind all of us why we exist as a local church. Why do we do all we do? Because we want to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, here at Sanctus Church, we believe there are five key environments that we must all participate in to become more fully devoted. One of them we've labeled here as engage in mission. And one of the critical ways, if you are a Christian, I know some of you aren't, but for you who are, the way we engage in mission is we are called to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to family, friends, workplaces, enemies, neighborhoods. Remember the last words of Jesus in Matthew 28, 19, 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all ethno groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. His last command should be our first priority. And yet, a growing new battle is happening across the church in Canada again. A major study just released last week through the Flourishing Congregations Institute has revealed what some of us have felt and feared for a long time, but now we've got the stats. 66% of leaders across the country said that in their church, evangelism is not a priority. Six out of 10 churches don't believe sharing the good news is a key priority in their local experience. Here's another really disturbing stat. 45% of those who work with children, youth or families in churches think that it is wrong. Like wrong to share their Christian belief with someone from a from a different religion or no religion at all and yet they still hope they'll become Christians. So they actually think it's inappropriate wrong to actually declare the gospel of Jesus. Now, 64% of senior church leaders would disagree with that sentiment, but as we see across the country, very few churches are advancing the gospel directly. So basically, here's how I'd put it. We've got a crisis of belief and a crisis of courage happening at the same time. What did Paul write 2,000 years ago to a church in Rome during a very difficult time? Romans 1 I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it has the power of God for salvation for whoever believes, first for Jews and then non-Jews. This is how the power of God is released to the world, by sharing the good news. What did John write? For, for God so loved the word, world, John three sixteen, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Jesus will not die, but have everlasting life. Uh, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Uh, whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So we're called to believe, to work that out, to have courage, to witness, to share, to proclaim the real life, the real death, the real resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We're called also to share our own stories of how Jesus has changed us and changed us and saved us. and we're called to do this personally. And we're called to do this as a whole community. But but in the busyness of life, living through COVID implications and shutdowns and all the fear, and how do we keep this life-giving command of Jesus at the center of everything we're doing as a church? How do we move out as a church as a whole? Knowing some of us have the gift of evangelism, yes, but all of us are called to share the gospel. Well, many of you know that in plan one, we solidified our corporate evangelism strategy through this amazing thing called Alpha. In Plan 2, Alpha became our consistent approach across all of our locations and all our aging stages to reach people in our region, junior high and up. Now, most of you have heard about Alpha, but let's make sure we're all on the same page. Alpha is a 10-week interactive video session that explores life, faith, God, in an open, friendly, informal environment. Each talk looks different and focuses around faith, and it's designed To have real conversation. Now, Alpha has been run all around the world. Over 27 million people have now taken it. One million Canadians have taken it. One out of every 33 Canadians have taken this. And everyone's welcome. It's been run in cafes and churches and universities and homes. And in the last two years, one of the most unexpected things took place. As the world went into lockdown and all churches went online like we did, Alpha went online too. And to the shock of myself, many other leaders, and those who are leading Alpha, Alpha grew exponentially during the COVID crisis. In 2020, 30,000 churches and organizations held Alpha globally, and 1.3 million people actually took Alpha in the pandemic online. I just want to stop. I'd like us all to watch this video together, because this is an amazing recap and summary of what God's been doing globally through Alpha. Let's just watch it together.
1: We are living in unprecedented times. Churches are facing incredibly difficult challenges as they learn and shift to doing church and community in a whole new way. This is a time of uncertainty, but this is also a time of opportunity. Amidst the uncertainty, people are asking questions. Who's in control? What's really important? Where's my security? Alpha is positioned to respond to these questions. We've taken Alpha online and we are equipping the church to meet people as they search for truth. There are 4.57 billion internet users worldwide. Imagine people who are spending most of their time online now plugged into the local church. Alpha
2: Online has totally, totally astonished me. I was not interested in Alpha Online. I always said, you know, why would anyone want to do Alpha Online? This is about, you know, having a meal together. And so I, I had no interest in it at all.
1: And to my amazement, it worked so well online we've seen thousands of people sign up to wrestle with life's biggest questions more people are signing up now than we've ever seen in alpha's entire history not only are lives being transformed but alpha online is re-energizing congregations we have just been so thrilled to be
3: part of alpha online in these last few months and we've got over 100 guests Um, On our course at the moment, um, I think we've got about 20 groups and it's just been wonderful to see guests meeting Jesus, experiencing the Holy Spirit and just going on their Alpha journeys in this new online format. It's been also brilliant to see the whole church here in Nottingham encouraged by the stories that are coming out of Alpha and also the group hosts that we've been able to equip and release to lead those Alpha online groups
4: just seen a friend dancing for ages and we've had our conversation on opposite sides of the pavement, shouting at each other. And he said, oh, you're looking really well. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay with lockdown, actually. At the moment, I'm feeling pretty good. I said, what I've been doing, though, is I've been reading the Bible and there's loads of stuff in it. You know, there's a lot of hope in that. And I think we're going to be all right. And there was a bit of an awkward silence. Like, there would have been with me if someone had said that to me a couple of months ago. And he said, I get you. You've become a philosopher. And I said, no, I've become a Christian. I just shouted it. It's from the other side of the pavement.
1: The gospel is spreading beyond church walls. We have the potential to see something extraordinary happen. Something more extraordinary than we've ever seen before.
0: I hope you were encouraged. So this experience, this alpha, deals with questions like, is there more to life? And who is Jesus? And why did Jesus die? And how can I have faith? And how should I pray? And how should I read my Bible? Or should I? And who's the Holy Spirit? And does God even guide us? And can I resist evil? And does God heal today? And how and why should I even tell others? Now, our goal in Plan 2 is to see 1,500 to 2,000 people go through Alpha between 2019 and 2024. Now, the last two years have been difficult. and We've lost so much momentum. And yet, Despite everything, we've still had 341 people go through Alpha, which is incredible, and many of them online. We saw some of them baptized last week. And unexpectedly, even 538 people across our church went through the marriage course, which wasn't even on our radar when we built Plan 2. Now, you might not know this. Let me share this again. Barna did a major study on Alpha and its effectiveness in multiple global cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnic groups to see what happened. And the results are genuinely incredible. After taking Alpha, ready? 82% of non-Christians now describe themselves as followers of Jesus. So eight out of 10 people that have taken Alpha say, I am now a Christian. Wow. 78% of Christians that were non-active church sort of attenders or members. In other words, they were nominal Christians, sort of ethnically Christian. After they took Alpha, their attendance and connection to church went way up. That's almost eight out of 10 of sort of lukewarm or nominal Christians. And 91% of Christians that went regularly to church had a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Eight out of 10 get saved, basically eight out of 10 come back to the faith, and nine out of 10 are closer to Jesus. It's incredible. Alpha's just a tool, but the point is, it's a God-designed tool. And if God doesn't show up, everything fails. And there's so many reasons why we love Alpha as a local church. But there are four things about God that we actually want to model to our neighbors and friends that are embedded in Alpha. And this is why we chose it. Number one, God is relational. At the foundation of the Christian faith, we believe in one God found in three persons. So at the epicenter of the universe, at the epicenter of all things, There is relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Relationship, not individualism. While Western culture may be trying to find ourselves by ourselves, Christianity is about finding ourselves in self-giving relationships. And actually, Alpha models that. The second thing that we love about Alpha that's rooted in Jesus is God is incarnate. Jesus's humanity into history is an important corrective in this age of abstract disembodied truth. See, Alpha is not just a collection of abstract truths or talks. It's an embodied experience of love of God and love of neighbor together. Here's the third amazing thing. God is host. You know, the controversy surrounding the way in which Jesus hosted and was ho- hosted at meals is lost by many of us in 2021. And in his cultural context, eating with someone was the ultimate demonstration whether you welcomed them and accepted them or rejected them. His willingness to share life with others caused scandal among pastors and leaders because he kept eating with sinners. And in their mind, he was legitimizing their sin. And he's like, no, I'm not here to legitimize their sin, but how in the world would I get to know them if I have no relationship with them? This is the invitation that Christ is extending to us to extend to others. That's why we lay a table virtually or physically at Alpha and the invitation is open to anyone and everyone. Here's the last amazing thing, God is helper. The Christian life and faith is born, connected to and out of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself says that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the one who empowers a life of mission. He's the one who convicts hearts. He's the one that opens people's eyes to Jesus. He's the one that literally raises us back from the dead spiritually. Therefore, reliance on the Holy Spirit lies at the center of bearing witness to Jesus and is at the heart of Alpha. Daryl Johnson, who is a pastor and professor in Vancouver, he's actually one of my mentors and a great friend of mine. He says evangelism, I love this, is simply joining into a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. In other words, Alpha's designed that if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, it doesn't work. So this whole conversation boils down to one thing, a simple invitation. Come with me and watch the Holy Spirit do the impossible as people get to express anything they want. Now, we have run Alpha in this church since 2000. And we have seen amazing success and tons of problems. Let me address some of the problems we need to face down still today. First, some of us that come to this church actually don't know what Alpha is. Maybe you've joined us the last nine months, 12 months, or you've been here for years. So we're going to work that through today. Some of us have just never invited people. And that's a problem. Third, in the last three to four years, actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us have invited people, but they didn't come the first time. And so we gave up versus going back and having the courage to ask again. But actually one of the greatest issues that we always face and usually is not talked about in church is this, is it any good? I mean, I'm gonna risk my reputation inviting a friend or neighbor out or my uncle out or my aunt, like, is it any good? So what we do or we try to do every year, even though with COVID it's been difficult, we're gonna take a moment And we're going to watch one of the videos so you can see and feel and know what this actually is. Now, if you're a Christian, you're like, oh, I don't need this. Actually, the one I've picked is one of the later ones on how to read the Bible, and it's really good. So if you're a Christian, this is going to help you think through this. You're going to see the quality of Alpha, the engagement of Alpha. And remember, this is the one way after who is Jesus and is there purpose in my life and is the, you know. This is later, but it's helpful. And again, if you're a seeker today or a skeptic today, you're going to get a taste of the invitation. So sit back and I'd love you to watch this amazing video. Should I read my Bible and how do I read my Bible? Let's watch together.
3: We are living in a time when we are better connected than ever before. And as soon as something happens anywhere in the world, we know about it straight away. But with so much information at our fingertips, it can be hard to sift out the really important from the superficial.
4: For many people, the Bible seems a bit outdated, boring, or just plain hard to understand. What can the Bible possibly say to us in the 21st century?
3: Have I ever read the Bible?
4: No. Yes. i read parts of oh, the Bible. Yeah, read the whole thing.
5: As a kid, I did. We used to have like our own like special ones. We used to have like the child Bibles with like, the Jesus and like, the kids and sit under a tree and stuff like that.
4: Like in elementary school, we read it, yeah.
3: I've skimmed it.
4: Got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, <laughs> the
3: other guys. <laughs> I know the one about that guy in his colourful clothes. Um,
4: Do I think the Bible is relevant? I think uh, parts of it are definitely relevant, but a lot of it might be a little bit out of date. I honestly don't remember anything from the Bible.
2: I think the lessons that it teaches are relevant, yeah.
6: It's relevant to for maybe for some people, but not me. I think the Bible is inspirational and kind of frustrating at times.
4: In the 18th century, the French philosopher Voltaire predicted that the Bible would become a museum piece within hundred years of his lifetime and replaced by more advanced philosophies. But today, the Bible remains the most popular book in the world, the most successful literary creation of all time. Each year, over 100 million Bibles are sold or given away. The YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded over 200 million times. The Bible is the best-selling book of the year, every year. In fact, it's so popular that it's excluded from weekly best-seller lists. The Bible would be the top seller every single week, week in, week out. Many people would say that the Bible is the most popular book of all time because it's also the most powerful. It has the power to change individuals and to change societies. On her coronation day, the Queen of England was handed a Bible with the words we present you with this book the most valuable thing that this world affords the bible is incredibly precious the writer of the psalms describes the bible as being more precious than gold in fact it's so precious that some have even risked their lives to share it with others it was in um, march
7: 2009 one day early in the morning marzi received a phone call from an stranger he had some question about the car document and ask her to go to the police station. And we didn't know why and what what was going to happen. Um, But we just prayed together and she left, she went to the police station. And I was waiting for Marzia to return from the security police. Suddenly I heard the sound of her with a few others behind the door. Well, I saw her standing there with um, three guards. (laughs) And I was so shocked when they ransacked everywhere and they took both of us with all our belongings, like Bibles, Jesus movies, into the security police. We had long hours of interrogation. I I believe it was in the first day that he threatened us to physical torture. In that dark cell in the basement, we just hugged each other, we said goodbye, because we thought it was our last day on earth and um, we were so scared. I remember the only thing that we could do um, in that dark cell in those moments was just praying for each other. Uh, We met each other for the first
6: time, it was 2005. And after finishing our theology courses, uh, we both felt that we had the same passion about our country, to return to our country and to share this message with our people. That's why even though we knew that how much is dangerous, we decided to go. And we uh, called our pastor, he was in uh, London, and we asked him to send uh, thousands of uh, Bibles. And uh, it wasn't easy for them. And we received uh, those New Testaments and we started our first mission. And usually at night, we carried about 114 new testaments in our backpack and put them in the mailboxes. I remember sometimes it was during the winter, we had to walk for long hours, for about eight, nine hours. And after almost three years, uh, we could distribute uh, 20,000 new testaments. There are some stories, amazing stories, that how God protected
7: us and we could see His miracles. We were distributing Bibles, we were talking to people, and we were having these two house churches in our own apartment and we knew that it was risky. We spent almost nine months in prison and 14 days we were separated, we were um, staying in solitary confinement. And I can say uh, during those nine months we had almost about 10 trials, 10 courts, and in each court the judges and our interrogators would threaten us to execution by hanging and they they wanted to put pressure on us to deny our faith in jesus we didn't have
6: bible with us but uh, we learned how to live with the verses uh, of bible and every day we were praying and uh, asking god to give us uh, this power to live uh, those verses and to show him through those uh, uh, through our behaviors to prisoners it was um, almost uh, at the nine months that uh, uh, we heard that uh, we, have, we had many supports from different uh, parts of the world. And because of all these uh, supports, the, the government had to release us,
7: unlike their desires. And you know, mercy mentioned about those Bibles that we were distributing. At that time, we were just praying for those Bibles. We didn't, we didn't know who would get those Bibles. And I remember uh, it was two years ago, we were in Australia, and we were invited to a church. After our speech, um, a couple came up uh, on the stage and they were, um, both of them, they were crying and they started to share their stories. They said that um, the wife found one of those Bibles that we put in in their mailboxes and they found the Bible and the whole family came to Christ just by reading that um, New Testament that we put in their mailboxes.
2: The Bible is inspired by God. The Apostle Paul writes, all Scripture is inspired by God. The word he uses there, literal translation of the Greek word, is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. Why do I believe that the Bible is inspired by God? Well, to put it simply, and this is an oversimplification, it claims to be, it seems to be, and it proves to be. It claims to be. that. This is an example. Paul says, all Scripture is inspired by God. It seems to be. When you read it, it has the ring of truth, and it proves to be. I've found that in my life as I've put it into practice, as I've read it, it, I've sensed God speaking to me through it. And I'd encourage you to do the same. Try it out, and you'll find it proves to be the Word of God. Pope Francis, in his letter, Evangelii Gaudium, the Joy of the Gospel, encourages everyone to study the Bible for themselves. He says we do not blindly seek God or wait for him to speak to us first for God has already spoken and there is nothing further we need to know which has not been revealed to us. Let us receive the sublime treasure of the revealed word. Over a period of 1600 years, the Bible was written by at least 40 authors, kings, scholars, poor people, philosophers, fishermen, poets, statesmen, historians, teachers, prophets, doctors. They wrote different types of literature such as history, poetry, prophecy and letters. So the Bible is a hundred percent the work of human authors but it's also a hundred percent inspired by God. How can that be?
3: St. Paul's Cathedral in London was built by Sir Christopher Wren the greatest English architect of his time. Construction started in 1675, when he was 43 years old, and continued under his direction for 36 years. It was completed in 1711, when he was 79 years of age. Now, while Christopher Wren built St. Paul's Cathedral, he didn't actually lay a single stone. There were many people involved, stonemasons, carpenters, laborers, and artists. But Sir Christopher Wren was the inspiration behind it all. With the Bible, there are many different writers, but one architect, one inspiration behind it all, God himself. That doesn't mean that there are no difficulties. The Apostle Peter, talking about some of Paul's letters, says there are some things in them that I find really hard to understand. Of course, there are many difficulties in the Bible. Moral and historical difficulties, and apparent contradictions. And if you've ever tried to read the Old Testament, you know that there are some shocking things that happened. And you might think, well, how can that be inspired by God? It's a bit like suffering and the love of God. At the heart of Christianity is the love of God. But then you look at the world and you see this massive amount of suffering and you think, how can you hold together the love of God and suffering in the world? It's not easy. And similarly, how can you hold together the inspiration of Scripture and the difficult stuff that we come across in the Bible? Some of these contradictions can be overcome by understanding the type of literature that you're reading and the context that it was written in. And Jesus is the key to interpreting what we read. Jesus is love. He's the supreme revelation of God. If you want to know what God is like, He is like Jesus. And what I've found is that the more you trust that the Bible is inspired by God, the more you understand.
2: The primary way in which God communicates with us is through the Bible. It's his revelation. Sometimes people say, well, if there's a God, why doesn't he show himself? Why doesn't he reveal himself? The answer is, he has. First of all, God has revealed himself through creation. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands it's like when you go out on a mountain and you look out at the beauty of creation the magnificence the stunning scenes that you see you say wow there's got to be a god when you look out at the sky at night and you see all the stars and you say someone must have created all this the very fact that we're here, the fact that there is something rather than nothing, points to a creator. The fine tuning of the universe, surely only God could have done that. The fact that we're created with this longing for something more, a longing for God. So yes, God has revealed himself in creation, but supremely, God has revealed himself in a person, in Jesus. But how do we know about Jesus? The main way we know is through the Bible. The New Testament is obviously about Jesus. But the Old Testament also, once you begin to look at it through the lens of Jesus, you see that too is all about a person, the person of Jesus. So science is the exploration of the way in which God has revealed himself through creation. That's why science is so important. It's so amazing. It's so exciting. And theology is an exploration of how God has revealed himself in Jesus and in the Bible. So there should be no conflict
5: between science and faith. There's a widespread impression in the public that science and God don't mix. And that's curious, because if you think of the rise of science in the 16th and 17th centuries, all its pioneers believed in God. In fact, they were Christian in some sense or other. You talk about Galileo, Kepler, Newton, and so on. Kepler famously said, we're thinking God's thoughts after him. So far from their belief in God hindering their science, it was the very motive that drove it. Because they believed in a creator, a rational spirit behind the universe, they thought that science was worth doing, and so they did it. So I'm not remotely embarrassed at saying I'm both a scientist and a Christian, because arguably Christianity gave me my subject. We study God's revelation, both in the natural world and in scripture, with the minds that God has given us. And I believe there's no conflict ultimately between those two sides properly understood.
4: It's clear from the Gospels that Jesus viewed the Scripture in the Old Testament as inspired by God. For him, what the Scriptures said, God said. And this is a view held almost universally by the world by church through the ages, that the Bible is inspired. It's our authority on how to live. St Paul says the Bible is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The Bible is full of practical wisdom and principles for relationships, how to love and forgive others, and advice on healthy living, working, bringing up children, taking care of the elderly relatives and that kind of thing. It gives us boundaries and guidelines to help us get the most out of life.
3: And you might think, well, that just sounds like a rule book. It'll take away all my freedom. But actually, we all need boundaries. Imagine if sports had no boundaries or guidelines. They'd be impossible to play, and they'd be quite confusing to watch.
2: Well, in a tricky green it is, Bill. Knodel's really got to get back on track here after bogeying the 14th. It looks like he's ready to make a shot.
5: A smart move. Another smart move by Knodel. He's really rounded out his short game.
3: Well, these two athletes are so evenly matched here. Jeffries jumps in right away, establishing control. Whoa, hey, I thought we might see something like this. This team is known for these shrewd kind of tactics.
4: If there were no boundaries or guidelines in life, then our lives would be utter chaos. God has given us guidelines for how to live, not because he hates us or wants us to be miserable, but because he loves us, and he wants us to enjoy life to the full. True freedom actually comes from when we know that God is in control and that there are boundaries.
3: Yeah, so we know that children who grow up without boundaries are insecure, they're unhappy and it's the same with us. Actually the boundaries are given out of love. God didn't say you shall not murder because he wanted to ruin our fun. He didn't say don't commit adultery because he's a spoil sport. He doesn't want people to get hurt.
2: He loves you. Through the Bible, God has spoken but also through the Bible God still speaks the Bible has been described as a love letter from God when you receive a letter from someone you love you keep the letter I've kept every single letter that my wife Pippa has ever written to me not because the letters are important but because of the person who wrote it Jesus said this you diligently study the scriptures Because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And the Bible is a communication from the person we love. If you like, it's a love letter from God. And that's what makes it so exciting to read jesus makes this point that the purpose of the bible is not just to study the bible for itself but the purpose of the bible is to bring us into a relationship with jesus christ he says the whole purpose of this book is to bring you into a relationship and that relationship is what matters i had a friend named earl smith everyone in his family was wealthy Earl was so rich he didn't need to work and instead he started taking drugs. He took such hard drugs that he ended up in hospital at the age of 30. Someone came to visit him and gave him a gift, a copy of the New Testament. Earl was thrilled because he realized that the pages of his new bible were perfect for rolling joints and he rolled his way through Matthew, Mark, Luke and when he got to John's Gospel he finally started reading. After reading John's Gospel, Earl came to faith in Jesus Christ, and his life was never the same again. It affected everything in him and everyone around him, including his psychologist, a beautiful doctor named Tommy. She couldn't understand it. I didn't understand it, she said to Earl. I have everything, a great job, money, family, friends, and yet... Inside, I feel totally empty. Meanwhile, your life is a complete mess, and you still have this extraordinary peace about you. So Earl told her all that he'd read in the Bible. He explained what it felt like to be loved by Jesus Christ. Earl led Tommy to know Jesus. And then he married her. Earl and I trained together at Theological College.
3: God is longing to communicate with us, to be in a relationship with us. At the end of John's Gospel it says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. So the best way to invest in this relationship and to hear from God and to know Jesus is through reading the Bible. It's easy to be overly ambitious. Like you'll say, I'm gonna read a book of the Bible every day for an hour. Now that is ambitious or thinking of squeezing it in at the wrong time.
4: So, for example, you could take 10 minutes in the morning, make some breakfast and then read a few verses. And then you need to find a place where you won't be distracted.
3: The most important thing you need is a plan. Decide what you're going to read. I suggest starting with one of the Gospels, the four books about Jesus' life in the New Testament. Or you could download a Bible reading plan like the Bible in one year. There are many ways to read the Bible, you just need to find one that works for you.
4: And just keep it very simple. Read a few verses, pray and ask God to speak to you. And then think about what the verses mean to you. What do they say about God's character? What encouragement can you take from it? How does it guide you in life's choices? What might God be asking you to do differently? And how can you put it all into practice?
3: And don't worry if you come across difficulties or bits that you don't really understand. I found it's a bit like a crossword puzzle. You start with a clue and sometimes you come across one that you can't really answer. But you don't stop. You move on to the next clue and maybe that's a bit easier and then you start to fill in a few of the clues and that gives you the letters that help you to understand the more difficult ones. And I found it's a bit like that with the Bible. I wrestle with all this stuff and the more I wrestle with it the more I begin to understand other bits that I'm reading.
4: And if you expect God to speak to you through the Bible, then he will. It's exciting to know God and to communicate with him in that way.
2: Over the last 40 years that I've been a Christian, I've read the Bible practically every day. Not because I feel I have to, it's because I love it. It's like, why do I eat breakfast every day? Because I like it. To me, not reading the Bible, it's like skipping a meal. Because the Bible to me is spiritual food. And I, I want to encourage you to develop a regular pattern of reading the Bible each day and praying that God would speak to you. It's an amazing experience when he does. I think back, for example, to when my father died in 1981. My parents, when when I became Christian, they were, they were neither of them were churchgoers and they were a bit worried about it. My mother eventually became a committed Christian, but my father really was always a bit, um, cautious, I would say, about my faith, and never certainly gave any indication that he had a faith. And so when he died, of course, I missed him. I was was very shocked by his death, but but for me, there was an added ingredient. I was concerned about whether he, he had a faith or not, whether he was a Christian. And about 10 days after he died, I was reading the Bible and I sensed God speaking to me through a verse and it was in Romans ten thirteen, which says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and I sensed God saying to me through that verse, your father did call on me and he was saved. And that was so reassuring but at that moment. Pippa, my wife, came into the room and she said, I've just been reading a verse which I think is for your father. It's from Acts 2.21. And it says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was quite extraordinary because that verse only appears twice in the New Testament. She'd read it in one part, I read it in another. And then three days later, we went to this small group where we were studying the Bible and we happened to be studying Romans 10. Particularly, we were looking at verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So like I said, three times in three days, God seemed to have spoken to me through that same verse. But such was my lack of faith that the next morning as I was going to work, I was still worrying about that, that question. And as I got out of the underground, I looked up and there was, on the station, there was this huge great billboard. And on it, it said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans ten thirteen, I remember saying to a, a friend telling him the story about what had happened and he said to me do you think the Lord may be trying to speak to you let me ask you a question do you think the Lord may be trying to speak to you and if so will you let him
0: okay so Here's the question, what do we do? I mean, we're still in the middle of COVID. We still got lockdowns going on everywhere and all sorts of other things. What do we do? Well, number one, here's what I wanna challenge you. No matter where you live, I want you to actually believe that God is already working in your sphere of influence. I'm convinced as I hang out with many of you and talk to you that you actually don't believe God is working in your family, at your school, in your classroom, in your neighborhood, across the street with your neighbor, that really, Angry individual in your life. No. Hey, listen God's at work And I actually would like you to say not in some weird mantra way I want you to say you know what? God you are sovereign Maybe say it out loud and I believe you are at work See God has already been working in your family friends in condos and on your streets So here's one of the very first things we need to do. I heard someone amazing last week say this we need to lower our privacy boundaries So we can actually get to know people We need to lower our privacy boundaries so we get to know people. So God's at work and we need to believe it. And and can I just point this out? The world has changed. COVID, populism, social issues, racial tension. Everything that just was status quo in 2019, oh, I'm just gonna go to Aruba or Dominican to escape reality for two, three, can't do it anymore. Uh, I'm gonna watch Netflix. No, I've watched everything now. See, actually, the world's confidence, financially, politically, it's been shaken. And whether you really know it or not, a lot of your friends and neighbors are shook. They're wondering. And I want to encourage you at this moment to actually be really intentional to invite them. To know that God's at work. So believe God's involved. Number two, pray. When's the last time you prayed for your neighborhood, uh, your condo? your friends. I would love you to take this time this week to literally write out some names and begin to pray that God would open their eyes and their heart and prepare them for an invitation to Alpha. Then invite. Take this opportunity to pray and then literally invite family and friends to attend Alpha. Now, between now and January in our first run, we're going to do it online again because of still the ongoing restrictions, it's gonna start on Wednesday nights, starting September 29th. You can register at sanctuschurch.com slash alpha. Now in the future, as we get to open more and more, we're gonna actually see physical and virtual virtual expressions of alpha going forward. And so our goal is to have it in youth and young adults, in our adult community, at our local sites, and then online, all different ways over the next run. But for now, we're gonna do this. So again, September 29th. Who are you going to invite? Lastly, let me give you a thought. You also could launch your own alpha in your own friendship circle. Even last week, Ange Mason, who has just come back after an extended time, she was talking to one connect group and they're like, you know what, we went through the Life Share series a little while ago and we're now ready and we're going to invite our friendship circle and we're going to actually run Alpha through our connect group to our neighbors and friends. You know, you can do that. And maybe God is prompting you in this moment to launch your own alpha. You might be a teenager listening to me right now. You might be a junior high listening to me right now. You might be a young adult or an adult. You might not even be in our country, but this is possible and it's so simple and I wanna challenge you to do it. And if you're interested, this is what you do. Just alpha at SanctusChurch.com. Say, I'm interested in launching a, a, a Connect Group style alpha. What do I do? This is an amazing moment of opportunity to invite friends and family to discover Jesus and get eternal life. This is also a way we as a church are going to continue to buck the trend and resist sort of the, down, the decline of evangelism in Canada. So much more to come, but this is a cool moment. So would you just pray with me, God? Thanks for the hundreds of people that have been through Alpha in our church. Thanks for the baptisms and salvations. Even now, thank you for the hundreds of people who came who haven't met Jesus yet, but those seeds are there. And we want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you go and actually bring life to those seeds and bring salvation? God, help us to see where you're already working in our sphere of influence. God, would you now, in the name of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, bring to people's minds people who they're supposed to pray for, and then invite. We pray over alphas at launches that it would be beautiful and amazing and salvation would come. And we even pray that you'd begin to speak to people to launch their own alphas beyond the large ones so the influence can grow. God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, deliver us from the evil one and temptation and boredom and apathy and actually do a new work we ask in Jesus' name. And we all said together, Amen. <music>